Mark chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1. We'll read through verse 13 today. We have officially made it over the hump of the halfway mark of Mark, so we are on the downhill stretch now. Another eight or nine months and we'll be wrapping it up. Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. Give everybody a second to get there. When you get it, say got it. All right. I'll read through the text and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. Then he said to them, I assure you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transformed in front of them, and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launder on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what he should say, since they were terrified. A cloud appeared, overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Then suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this word to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Then they began to question him. Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah does come first and restores everything, he replied. How then is it written... Excuse me, how then is it written about the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah really has come, and they did whatever they pleased to him, just as it is written about him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these words, and I pray that you help us to get something from them. I pray that we would learn from what your word says today, dear Lord. I pray that you would let the Holy Spirit... Just open our hearts and open our minds and open our ears that we can hear. And dear Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in this place. I pray that you would help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. I pray that you would just help us to focus on you and everything we see in this word today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, this is a good story. And uh, really one of my favorite stories. Now, we won't talk too much about verse 1. We kind of talked about that a little bit last week. We kind of edged over into that in our, in our sermon last week. Uh, but today we're taking place uh, with an event that uh, many refer to as the Transfiguration. Now, this is a miraculous event, as we just saw from the reading of the text here. One that would have been really something to see for Peter, James, and John. Now, we see Peter, James, and John with Jesus on a few occasions. They got exposed to a few things that the rest of the apostles didn't get exposed to. They got to see and to experience a few different things. And I believe that that was on purpose. 
I believe that, that Jesus had a few that he really wanted to instill some things into, that he really wanted to see some things so that when the time come that he was crucified and resurrected, that they would be able to recount stories like this. And that's what he told them here in this passage we see today. After they saw these events unfold, Jesus said, now keep these things quiet. There'll be a day that you'll talk about them and reveal them, but until that day comes, I want you to keep these things quiet. Now, of course, these things have been revealed to us because we're reading about this magnificent event that took place. So the scene is set with Jesus and Peter, James, and John going up on the mountain. And as they are up on the mountain, Jesus is transformed in front of their eyes, and his clothes become as bright white, brighter than anything that anyone on earth could make them, it says. No laundry man could make his clothes as white and as bright as they were. Now, when it says Jesus was transformed, I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe he was just in his normal form, the same form that he went up there with him in, and uh, in this transformation process, he just b began to, to glow brightly, uh, as the text says. Maybe he was transformed in some other way, but whatever took place there was no doubt something that would have been astonishing for Peter, James, and John to see. <clears throat> Can you imagine what it would have been like to be on that mountain with Jesus, with all that Jesus had done to this point that they had seen, and now all of a sudden Jesus is just radiating this brightness that is coming from him as they are on this mountain. And they were terrified, the text says. Uh, Peter didn't really know what to say, the text says. And not only was Jesus there on the mountain, but lo and behold, then Elijah appeared and Moses appeared on the mountain. And here you have three of, uh, of probably uh, the most prominent figures, or, or some of the most prominent figures, of course, in Scripture, being right there on the mountain, with Jesus being the most prominent figure in all of Scripture. And, of course, Moses, we know the role that he played. Uh, if you don't, you can go back and read in the Old Testament, and you see that Moses pray, played a crucial part in God's plan in delivering his people out of Egypt. And so here we have Moses represented and also Elijah, one of the greatest, if not the greatest and most well-known prophet in all of the Old Testament. And, and both of these figures who would have been well-known to Peter, James, and John were there on the mountain. Now, Obviously, it appears as though they knew who these figures were. Now, how they would have known who Elijah was and Moses was, I don't know. Maybe the Spirit revealed to them. Obviously, they wouldn't have been able to have seen Moses and Elijah in the flesh. But in some way, shape, or form, God revealed to Peter, James, and John who was there. And there, sitting on this mountain, were three of the greatest figures that have ever been in Scripture. And they were right there before them. And Peter says, boy, it's good for us to be here. He didn't know what else to say, but let us make some tabernacles for you. It's good for us to be here. Let us make a tabernacle, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He wanted to build a tabernacle so they could set up camp right there on the mountain so they could worship them right then and there. But that wasn't the way things were supposed to be. All of these appeared with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, and then in the midst of this appearance, in the midst of this beautiful thing that took place, they heard a voice. They heard the Lord say in verse 7, a cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Then suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. 
Now, I think those verses there may be uh, 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 important for us to be able to interpret what just took place. Now, briefly, Moses and Elijah were there. Peter, James, and John were able to see them, but then this voice spoke. It was the Lord himself speaking, and he said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And as soon as the Lord speaks and tells them to listen to Jesus, bam, Moses and Elijah disappear. They are gone. And there is but one who remains, and it is Jesus. It is Jesus is the one who is to be listened to. It is Jesus who is the one who is to be followed. Now, when we see Moses and Elijah, and particularly in the New Testament, oftentimes when we see them, it reminds us of, of something else. They're representative of something much bigger than just themselves and the work that they did. Now, they did great things for the Lord. Praise the Lord. You need to go back and study about Elijah and about Moses. They did great things for the Lord. But oftentimes, when we read about them in the New Testament, when we see Moses and Elijah, they're representative of something bigger. They're representative of the law and the prophets. Now, the law came from God through Moses. Uh, when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, God gave them the law through Moses, not just the Ten Commandments, but tons of laws. You can read in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You can see all of these different laws and things that God commanded the people. And oftentimes, in particular, when we hear about Moses in the New Testament, uh, it's, it's, it's bringing us back to the law that came from God through Moses. And so when Moses is here on the mountain, we're not just to think about Moses and the things that he did in delivering Israel out of Egypt, but we need to think about it as the law. Moses is often representative of the law. That is the law of what we call the Old Testament that the Israelites used to live by. And Elijah being one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, when we see Elijah here, we can think about the prophets. Now, the phrase, the law and the prophets, is a phrase that we hear often throughout the New Testament. The law and the prophets, the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. And here was the greatest prophet, and here was Moses, the, the bringer of the law to the people, right here on the mountain with Jesus. So here you have the law and the prophets and Jesus all represented here on this mountain during this miraculous event that's taking place. And the law was, and the prophets were, and even though they were all there together, now in this moment, the Lord says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And at that moment, what passes away? The law and the prophets pass away. And everything is pointing to Jesus Christ. The Lord says, look at my son. Listen to my son. Follow my son. Jesus is the one who the attention is put on. And in case you didn't know, all the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus. And the time had come where the law and the prophets had done their job. They had pointed to Jesus, and it won't be long after this that Jesus is going to give his life for his people. He is going to be crucified. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. And God says, listen to him. And the law and the prophets passed away. Moses and Elijah were gone. Now, we see this lots in the New Testament when we talk about the law and the prophets. 
Now, this event that we talk about here today uh, was, was a significant event. Uh, Peter even talks about this event when he talks about it in 2 Peter uh, verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1. He talks about this event when he's telling the people that he's writing to. He says, look, these things that we're telling you, these are things that we've seen firsthand. And he even quotes exactly what happened on the mountain. He said, look, we were on the holy mountain and we heard the voice say, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So this event that Peter uh, was part of while he was there on the transfiguration, he remembered these things that took place. And he even told the people that he was speaking to in Second Peter, look, listen to what I'm saying because I've heard from God. I've heard what God said. I know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one that we are to follow. So Peter was, boy, he was no doubt uh, 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 struck by, awestruck by this event that took place and remembered it even all these years later and used that and said, look, hey, we know that Jesus is the one to follow. I know firsthand because God has revealed that to me. And he shares that story, a little bit of it in Second Peter chapter 1. Now, when we talk about the law and the prophets, there's lots of passages in the New Testament that talk about the law and the prophets. In Luke chapter 16, verse 16, I'll probably go through these kind of quick, but you can jot them down or ask me later and I'll, I'll print them out for you, these passages that we're leading, or reading. But in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, it says this, <clears throat> The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed. And everyone is strongly urged to enter it. Now, this is a good passage because it says that the law and the prophets were until John. They were until John. So what happened when John came onto the scene? What was the difference between the law and the prophets of the past and then when John the Baptist came onto the scene? What was the significance of that? Well, the law and the prophets were until John. And what came after John? It says the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed. And you are strongly urged to enter it. What are you to focus on? What are you to seek? You're to seek the kingdom of God. You're to seek the one that came after John. What was until John? The law and the prophets were until John. But what did John bring onto the scene? When John came onto the scene, he prepared the way for the Messiah who was coming. When John came onto the scene, he said, all right, get ready, here he comes. John was the one in the wilderness who was proclaiming the Messiah that was coming, and the law and the prophets were until John, and what happened at John? Jesus happened at John, because when John came onto the scene, Jesus came onto the scene, and the law and the prophets were pointing us to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ had finally come. And it says here in Luke, look, the law and the prophets were until John, but now there's something better than the the law and the prophets. Now there's the Son of God. Now there's the Messiah. Now there's the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, and you are strongly urged to enter into it. That's what God wants us to do is enter into his kingdom. We enter into his kingdom through Jesus Christ. We don't enter into his kingdom by knowing and studying the prophets of the Old Testament really well. We don't enter into his kingdom by knowing the law and living and fulfilling it to its entirety because we cannot do it. We come into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. The law and the prophets were until John, and when John came, Jesus Christ came, and now we are strongly urged to enter into the kingdom of God. Let's read a little further. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says this, 
Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Now this is Jesus who is doing this interpreting here. Now, Jesus sees that his audience doesn't always really understand everything that was in the law and the prophets. They don't always get what it was pointing to and and what it actually meant. Like they got it to some extent. They understood the letter of the law. They understood what the prophets did, but they didn't always make that connection that they were pointing to him. And so Jesus just flat out began to explain to him, it says here in Luke 24, uh, verse 27, that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. All the things in the law and the prophets, guess what? They were pointing to Jesus. And Jesus said, let me tell you, let me take you back all the way to Moses. Let's start with Moses, let's go through the prophets, and let me explain to you and show you that everything they were writing about was pointing to me. Everything in the scriptures and the law and the prophets were pointing to Jesus. And Jesus wants to make sure that the people get that, that they don't miss that. And some of the people in Jesus' day, they didn't get that. They were still trying to live under the law. And guess what? There are still people in the world today who are trying to be justified by the law instead of being justified by faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that we receive from him. Jesus wanted the people to know, look, the law and the prophets were there, but they were pointing to me. And so Jesus even began to interpret for them and explain to them, look, here, let's start with Moses. Let's start with the prophets. Learn that these scriptures are pointing to me. A few verses down from that in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Here Jesus is giving them another little clue here. He's saying, look, all of the things in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms that were written about me, they must be fulfilled. Here he's telling them again, the law and the prophets were pointing to me. Even the Psalms were pointing to Jesus. Jesus does not want his audience to miss that. He does not want them to get caught up in legalism. He does not want them to get caught up in a bunch of laws. He wants them to know that there is only deliverance, that there is only grace that is coming through him. And he finally had come onto the scene. The kingdom of God had come near, and he had spent all this time doing these miracles, and he had been preaching to the people, and they still, some of them didn't get it. Even the apostles didn't get it. And now he's trying to tell them point blank, hey, don't miss it. Don't miss it. He's got to tell them this. He's got to let them know because his time is getting short. He's not going to be with them, at least not on this earth, forever. He's only going to be with them for a little while longer. And so he wants to make sure that they understand what's most important. Don't keep following Moses. Follow me. One greater than Moses had come, and that was Jesus Christ. And that's a big problem in the New Testament that we see. Because in the book of Galatians, the people are wanting to do what? They're wanting to go back and live under the law. They're wanting to go back and do what the law says. In the book of Hebrews, the the letter is written to people who are wanting to go back to what the law says. They're wanting to do what the law says because they didn't get what Jesus said. He said it while he was living. Look, the law and the prophets, they point to me. Seek me. Come to me. But we know that not everybody did because we still see books like Galatians and Hebrews in the New Testament. And we don't want to be in that group of people who are trying to be justified by our works or by the law. We want to be those who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone because the law and the prophets pointed 
to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's read a little further. John chapter 5, verse 39. John chapter 5, verse 39. Now, Jesus addresses the issue here. The issue was this. The people knew what we call the Old Testament. They knew of the the law. They knew of the prophets, but they didn't always get it. They didn't understand it. They didn't see the significance in it. And in John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, You pour over the scriptures, that is the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, because you think you have eternal life in them. Yet they testify about me, and you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. Now, Jesus recognizes the problem here. He recognizes the error of their ways. He says, look, you're studying the scriptures. You're studying the law and the prophets. You are pouring over them. You probably know every jot and every tittle. You probably know everything that's in them. You know every letter of the law. You read these things. You pour over them. But you still are missing me. He says, you pour over these things because you think you have eternal life in them. Yet they testify about me, and you're not willing to come to me so that you may have life. See, they missed it completely. Even though they knew all of God's word, they missed that everything pointed to Jesus Christ. And he told them plainly, the things that you're reading, they testify about me. You're trying to find life in things that can't give you life. But you know plainly, you can know plainly that these things testify about me. But you won't come to me. Jesus had been preaching, he had been teaching, he had been doing all of these miracles for all of this time. And he says, look, if you want eternal life, the things in these scriptures that you're reading, they point to me, but you won't come to me. And hopefully we're not guilty of the same thing. Maybe there's somebody in this room, and you've read God's Word a lot. Read the Old Testament, you've read the New Testament, and maybe you hadn't got it. Maybe you're still seeking life in something else. Maybe you're still seeking joy in something else. Maybe you're still seeking peace in something else. And you know what God's Word says. You've read it and you just hadn't made that connection. Well, listen to what Jesus says here. These words testify about me, yet you won't come to me and have life. God's Word testifies about Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Everything in it from the beginning to the end, points us to Jesus Christ. And some people missed it in Jesus' day. And some people miss it today. But I don't want it to be any of you people in this room. I want you to know. I want you to know that everything points to Jesus Christ. I want you to know where forgiveness comes from, where peace comes from, where joy comes from, where happiness comes from. It comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone because He gave His life for you on a cross. So that you could be forgiven. He shed his blood because he loved you. And three days later he was resurrected. And everything in God's word points to that. Everything from the law and the prophets until John. And then came Jesus Christ the Messiah. Everything pointed us to it. Everything still points us to it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't try to be justified by your works. Don't try to be justified by the law. Be justified by Jesus Christ and Christ on the cross. So what do we want to do? What are we going to do if we sit here today and say, all right, 
All right, I want to fulfill what God's Word says. What's the most important thing about God's Word? We see about the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets were there. Elijah and Moses were with Jesus, and all of a sudden they disappeared. They was gone. Jesus remained. God says, listen to him. He's my son. Listen to him. The others vanished. Everything was pointing us to Jesus Christ. But what are we to make of the law and the prophets? It's good stuff, right? God's Word's good. The Old Testament's good. We want to study the law. We want to study the prophets. We want to learn what those things say. We want to see what God's Word says. We want to grow in it, praise the Lord. So what are we to make of the law and the prophets? What are we to, how are we to interpret those things that we see in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Ain't that something? Just a few short little lines. Didn't Jesus, he, he was so good at that. He was so good at taking something that was so complex and so intense, and he was so good in making it so simple. He said, you want to do what the law and prophets say? You want to fulfill what the law and the prophets commanded? Here's what you do. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bam. That's pretty simple, ain't it? If we want to fulfill and we want to do what the law and prophets says, Jesus tells us pretty plainly, do these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. It's just that simple. The very same things that Jesus did. The very example that Jesus gave us. He said, you want to fulfill the law and the prophets, follow me, do what I do, love God, love your neighbor. That's what we're supposed to do. Follow the example of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is the law and the prophets. Dang, who would have come up with that? If you spent years studying the law and the prophets, would you have summed it up with that one sentence? Would you have come up with, okay, I've read the law and the prophets. Here's what it means. Do to others what you want them to do for you. I wouldn't have got that. Because I'd be, well, I'd be looking too hard. I'd be trying too hard. But praise the Lord, we got Jesus. He says, no, it's not that complicated. All the stuff we see in the Old Testament, all these laws that are crazy and things they had to do, and all of this and all of that, all the stuff that we just we read it and we say, Golly, dear Lord, that don't make any sense for, to me, dear Lord. What, what am I to make of this? Jesus said, oh, I'll tell you what that means. Love God and love your neighbor. Oh, ain't that something? Hundreds of pages of the Old Testament, and Jesus says, here's what it means, love God and love your neighbor. Now, if we don't get anything else in the Bible, if we get that, we'll be all right. This is the law and the prophets. And those things have passed away. But Jesus Christ remains. Those things disappeared. But God said, this is my son. Listen to him. Now, are you listening to him today? Are you listening to what Jesus says? Are you still trying to be justified by the law? Are you trying to be justified by the prophets? Are you listening to what Jesus says? That's what God wants us to do is listen to Jesus. <laughs> What does Jesus tell us? Love God and love our neighbor. What does Jesus show us? Love God and love our neighbor. Love our enemy. Jesus shows us these things. He doesn't just tell us these things. He lives them out. And he shows us how to live. 
And not only did he live for us, but he died for us. This is my beloved son, God said. Listen to him. Listen to the one who died for you. Listen to the one who gave his life for you. Because everything in God's word pointed to him and to him alone. There is none other, no Messiah, no Savior than Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that you would just help us not to miss you. And when we read your word, dear Lord, we can read stuff and it'll be confusing and hard. and We don't make sense of it. But dear Lord God, loving you is, is what's most important. And loving other people, well, that's it, God. So help us not to miss that. Help us to listen to what Jesus says. If we want to be followers of Jesus, we've got to follow his commands, dear Lord God. Let us not try to be justified by our works and how good we may be or we come to church and all this other stuff we do, dear Lord. We're not justified by that. We're justified by grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there's one in this room that has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that today they would. God, I pray that today maybe their eyes have been opened. Maybe they've missed it. Maybe they've poured over the scriptures, just like these that, that Jesus was talking about. Maybe they've poured over them and they've missed that everything in them pointed to Him. And God, I pray that today the Holy Spirit's convicting them and that today that they are being pointed to Jesus Christ, that they would come to Him, that they would seek forgiveness, that they would repent of their sins, dear Lord, that they would realize that everything in this book that we read, that we study, that we call the Bible, God, everything in it points to Jesus. God, if there's somebody that doesn't know that today, help them to see it. God, if there's some of us in here that are already yours, and maybe we just, we just don't realize it sometimes. Maybe we don't see just how simple things are in your word. Well, God, help them to be simple to us. Help them to be understandable to us. Help, them, God, to help us, God, to love you with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.